cannot abandon our Padawans. I can't get the vision out of my head. They're my friends. I gotta help them. But if their time has come... You must not go. But Han and Leia will die if I don't. I refuse to let Ahsoka die. That sounds entertaining. to the Star Wars Brothers Podcast. I'm Cliff Boyd, and I'm here with John Boyd. Hey! And Drew Shepard. Greetings! All right, we have uh, five episodes to discuss this week. We're going to discuss this uh, uh, second Battle of Genosis arc. But before we do, why can't you email a photo to a Jedi? I don't know. (laughs) Because attachments are forbidden. (laughs) <laughs> nice alright okay. you're up hey Cliff knock knock who's there Luke Luke who Luke out here comes another knock knock joke Yo. for you John knock knock who's there Lando Lando who Lando drop anchor ah. <laughs> I like that one. That's good. It's not good, but it's good enough. <laughs> All right. All right. So <laughs> where is the best place to buy lightsabers? I don't know. The where? Darth the Darth Mall. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> So this week we're going to, <laughs> moving on, we're going to, uh, since since we're just discussing one arc and the episodes are all kind of distinct, I'm just going to go, we're just going to go episode by episode through this thing. And uh, let's see, get my notes up here. Okay, so this first episode, we have a situation where there's a, this banker who is suspected of working with the separatist will come come to find out this banker used to be in a relationship with Padme, but at first she's not willing to go and follow him until Anakin basically agrees that she shouldn't. And then she <laughs> sort of does it to de- defy him. Right. So she goes and, and follows this banker man. Uh, I, I forget the guy's name, but she follows him to, uh, to this other planet goes with him to this other planet. And Anakin tags along as an undercover undercover pilot for protection. Turns out that the bankers of the Star Wars universe have funded a droid factory on Genosa. So there ends up being a standoff and Anakin ends up leading, leaving with Padme and they leave the, the uh, old flame banker man behind. All right. So, so we have a little bit of a situation where we find out about one of Padme's past lovers, I guess you would say, so one of her past romantic relationships. And actually, I have a question for you guys. I didn't look this up. I should have. Did, did Anakin and Padme get married in episode two? It wasn't that the, the wedding? I mean, was it the end of episode two that they got married? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. See, I, I guess I didn't realize that until I was looking looking back over, uh, looking back over some notes on this before we recorded. I 
kind of just assumed that they were a couple, but didn't realize that they were married. So they are secretly married, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. None of the Jedi know that they're married, but they got married in secret at the end of Attack of the Clones, I guess. Nothing was ever said. I don't believe in that scene, but you just saw her in a wedding-esque type of dress with a a preacher pastor looking individual in between them in the middle with the lake in the background. So, yeah. How'd y'all like the relationship between Padme and Anakin in this one? (laughs) Uh, It was easy to see. Um, They were between a rock and a hard place. And as a husband, I'm like, Hmm. I, I've never been in that situation when I'm between a rock and a hard place. <laughs> 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 but I, I, this was probably the least favorite episode of the ones that we did watch. Okay. It was unmemorable to the bit. other, I guess. Breaking up. Okay, say, say that again. Like a stormtrooper just called me. All right, so can you hear me? Yes. yes. All right, hopefully my audio is not a whole lot worse. I'm calling in on my phone, but it's, internet it's seems unstable tonight. All yeah, right, we'll, we'll have a worse um, audio this week, but that's okay. So I was saying, uh, I really don't remember a whole lot from the episode because it was so uh, uh, unmemorable compared to the rest. I mean, it was uh, uh, it, it wasn't that that exciting. I guess maybe uh, important to set up the the others but yeah i think the main thing is we saw some interaction between anakin and padme got a little bit of insight into the nature of their relationship we saw him being jealous right we saw him being Mm -hmm. very protective of her although i don't i mean maybe maybe a little bit more than is appropriate um for a husband to be (laughs) i suppose but not anything that seemed extreme right At, at least in my opinion uh, she's undercover with this old ex of hers and, and they're getting all touchy feely. I mean, I think that bother any husband. <laughs> Very touchy feely. I might add after she had got the plans, I mean that dress, if you want to even call it that address yeah, that right. she was wearing and like, she's oh, all speaking of that. Clovis and right. And speaking of that, did you guys notice how weird her rib cage looks? <laughs> It, I did it look so boy, it just looked no. weird. It's like a it's like a flat line <laughs> across and her stomach just kind of caves in underneath it. Like it's kind of gross looking. I just thought really bad animation. I hate what they've done with Padme in this in this cartoon. Actually, like I've said, I really like her in the movies. I just every time she appears in one of these episodes, I cringe. Well, you know, the Naboo diet is all the rad nowadays. Everyone's after that look. <laughs> diet i wonder what that would consist of i don't know i can't think of anything (laughs) anyway the point of this episode we can move on from it there's not a whole lot to say i don't think but the the main thing is that they found out through the interactions with this old ex of padme's that that he was funding the separatists in their construction of a droid factory on genosis and so the main reason that it's in the spark is that it sets up the reason behind them going to Genosis in the next episode and fighting a, fighting a battle. So this next episode, 
again, I don't think there's a whole lot to say about it either. It's, it was mainly just a whole lot of fighting, right? It was a big war scene. They're deploying. We have Anakin and Ahsoka in a ship. We have Obi-Wan in a ship. And we have this other Jedi, Ki-Adi Mundi. Is that how you say it, I think? And they go in and they have this, this plan to go and kind of do this three-pronged assault into the canyon. Some of them get shot down and they worry about each other and they, you know, have to run across the ground a little bit further than originally expected instead of just being able to fly into where their, where their intended landing positions were. Um, it's, uh, again, it's a lot of fighting. I did think there were some cool camera shots, some really cool behind the shoulder stuff, the view, like when the Genosians would, would ride by and you'd get the camera kind of behind them and you'd see them shooting their orb guns uh, and you'd see it flying away from the camera toward whatever their target was. I mean, I thought some of those shots were really cool. So mm-hmm. this was entertaining to watch. It's just, there wasn't a whole lot of, wasn't a whole lot of plot. Is there anything y'all wanted to highlight from the second episode? So, so I loved it. Um, I loved the, the battle scenes. It, it really reminded me of, uh, uh, in a way. So, so if you, you've seen many, many Star Wars commentaries on the original, uh, trilogy, a lot of what inspired, uh, the, the fight scenes, uh, particularly the X-Wing versus TIE fighter scenes, um, were World War II dogfights. And uh, in, in these, the scenes that were in this was the first time uh, in this series that, that I thought, wow, this is, this is really cool fighting. Um, uh, and in very uh, war movie-ish, very, uh, very World War II, we're, we're bringing in these uh, troop carriers and, and uh, the, just the different uh, scenarios they were facing and getting separated and, and so because of that, I liked it. I, I felt like it was, uh, it was, it was inspired by probably, uh, other, other war movies and even down to the, the camera angles and stuff, uh, that you mentioned Cliff. Um, and, and I really liked it. I thought, wow, this, uh, uh of course I, I always like live action type things, you know, real people, uh, and just picturing if they had done this, uh, with, with real people, how, how cool of a scene this would have been, uh, in, in really Star Wars, I think. Um, and I thought that the, uh, the lightsaber movements during the battle, uh, were, were cleaned up a lot more than what we've seen in the past too. Um, in the way they had to react to blaster fire, uh, was a lot, a uh, lot more realistic to me, uh, than what we've seen in some of the, the previous episodes. I can see that. I can definitely see that. Yeah, there was thing. one shot where the camera angle was kind of in front while they were charging in and there was a whole line of them and it was panning it was like looking back toward them a little bit and panning forward as they were running across the battlefield. And that's one shot that really stood out to me. I just thought there was, there was a lot of that, a lot of really cool camera shots. One of the thing I noticed in this one is you really get to see Anakin becoming more of a mentor, maturing, in his ability as a mentor because when they crash land you see the panic that ahsoka really is giving off there because you know and and anakin knows it too obi-wan has crash landed he's in trouble moondy you know he's the only one landed where they are really supposed to so i mean he knows they're in a bind 
And you see him, the way he talks to Ahsoka is he uses a little bit of humor, and, but then he also comforts her too. So you really see him growing into his role as a mentor. So that was neat to see that uh, maturity level from him a little bit and just the growth there. Yeah, I agree. And in those scenes, I thought Ahsoka's performance was awesome. The way that she's so concerned for Obi-Wan and then the way that Anakin was like, look, I'm worried about him too. Yeah, and, and I believed Anakin, but I really believed Ahsoka. I was just very convinced that she was she was very distressed about losing her friend, Obi-Wan. And and I am getting to where I really like the relationship between Ahsoka and Obi-Wan. It's, it's, he's mm-hmm. not her direct, but they kind of have this, like he's looking out for her from a distance and she knows that he really cares about her uh, sincerely. And you can see that in the way that she talks about him and is concerned for him. So I thought that was really cool as well. You know, who was not interesting at all in this episode, Jedi master Moondi. Oh my goodness. Can you (laughs) think of a more boring person to put in this? The way I don't, I know nothing from him except for what I saw. So he may be awesome. And you know, and other things, maybe in the future could be cool. This episode, he was as boring as dirt. I mean, just the way they, the maybe they, the way they wrote his lines, or just the way the actor performed. He was just so full of cliches. One of the things he wrote, I mean, there was two things. He's like, I don't believe in luck. They're like, good luck. I don't believe in luck. I'm like, oh, okay, well, all right. And and another time, he's like, no, I'm not sure but all I can do is trust my instincts. I'm like, it was just everything he said was a cliche in this episode. And I was just like, well, and some of it was contradictory. There was, at first he said, there's no such thing as luck, luck, which is kind of a, I thought that was okay. That's a neat callback to what Obi-Wan says in episode four, right? In my experience, there's no such thing as luck. But then like five minutes later, he says with any luck after they crash, he says with any luck, we'll meet up with Skywalker. And I was just yeah. Thinking, Dude. You got to get your, you got to get your uh, philosophical theory <laughs> figured out here. So. He just, I don't know. He just was not, I did think I he was had a line. fan of his. Okay. I did think he had a line at the end that was pretty good. Uh, so we had a little Legolas Gimli rivalry where they're counting the number of people that they killed. It reminded me of, um, is it Two Towers or Return of the King? I think it's Return of the King mainly, but maybe in both movies where Legolas and Gimli have that rivalry, you know, and they do it better than Ahsoka and, and Anakin here. <laughs> but I did think it was neat how at the end, Moondi comes in, and he's like, oh, I got 10 more than both of y'all. <laughs> so I did like that line from him, but you're right. I can't think of really anything other, uh, anything else from so, him that was memorable. I like his design. So my Tony, my- Tony Conehead with a beard. Yeah. Yeah. So, so kind of my take on him was he, uh, he kind of struggled to 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 be uh, not cliche because of the giant cone brain in his head, uh, almost like too smart for his own good. Um, mm. And maybe I just gave him way too much grace there, and just like, oh yeah, this is how he's <laughs> supposed to be. Um, but but that was kind of my take. Like, hey, this guy's kind of kind of awkward, and uh, and it's because he's just got this giant cone brain i don't know okay <laughs> yeah i can see that and i've definitely known some people that are awkward like that like they're trying but they're not really saying the right thing <laughs> uh all right well 
last question I have on this one, and then we can move on unless y'all have something else. So I guess I didn't realize that the shield droids, you can just kind of slide through their shield. <laughs> Apparently their shields basically just block blaster shots, right? Yeah. They always seem so uh, strong in the movies themselves. You know, they show up at the beginning of episode one and it's like, there's two of them there and they, two Jedi can't really contend with them. They have to book it. Yet in this one, apparently you can just, I think what, what did Anakin like kind of slide through and either Anakin or Ahsoka slid underneath through the shield and then I think activated the lightsaber underneath. So maybe it's just sort of an energy shield around them. Yeah, I noticed that. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I noticed that too. And, And even when they were running through uh, the shield that was guarding the uh, the droid plant, uh, they cut their lightsabers off, ran through, and cut them back on. Oh, did they? I didn't know. Wow, that's and that's so, a cool detail. So, yeah, the same type of shield, I would think. It uh, okay. You know, it's not going to stop any matter from moving through, but right. maybe uh, you know, lightsabers and blasters type thing. Yeah, maybe they just need some. Somebody needs to discover gunpowder up there. They must not have gun. Well, do they have gunpowder? Like everything in Star Wars is just like yeah. an energy blast, right? I'm so they no just don't know about gunpowder. combustion. It's all it's all primitive because it was a long time ago. Okay. You know, it was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. They didn't they didn't have those advances. Yet. <laughs> they're on fusion reactions, plasma weapons. I mean, yeah, they're way past uh, I want. What, what's your right. theory on the Genosian weapons? I'm just curious. Uh, this is dumb, but. You know, the little green orbs that they shot at, like, that made the funk sound, you know, it wasn't like yeah, a blaster yeah. sound. I, mean, I loved I, them. I love them. Okay, I like them. <laughs> My question, though, is when they went and hit, I saw it once or twice where the clones had this, like, green electricity. They were like, Ugh! you know, and green electrics, electricity. Mm. Is this instant kill or are they just paralyzed or disabled? No, good question. I don't know. Have to go back and study the footage. I never saw any. I went back and I never saw any get back you? up. I <laughs> okay. was, I was curious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. I don't know, but it was a big battle, so you know, it's not like you just saw a lot of them getting back up or anything. So yeah, but I do really like the sound effects. Those as well as the Naboo blasters. You know, the Naboo blaster makes that that really weird sort of watery sound. They remind mm-hmm. me of those toy guns, you know? <laughs> like every time you push the trigger, it's a different sound. You know what I'm talking about? No. And then finally, there's one that goes. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Usually have like little lights going across the top of them. Yeah, it was like all these different toy guns, but they all had the exact same sound that it would just rotate yeah. them back when they were growing up. Uh, those are fun, but but those guns remind me of those types of sounds, and I like that they have some really weird, unique sounds with their guns. All right, this next episode, we have um, basically gotten through the the front lines, and and now they are at the edge of the droid factory, ready to push forward and make that final assault to destroy it. We get Luminara joining the battle and bringing along her Padawan Barris. Offy, I think is how you say her name. They send Ahsoka with Barris into the 
factory, Barris has apparently got a photographic memory and has memorized all of the tunnels inside. So her and Ahsoka go in. Anakin's a little uncomfortable with it because he's worried about his Padawan. But they go in, and they're supposed to plant bombs on the core reactor in the middle and get out and then blow them up. So that's, that's supposed to be what brings down the factory. While the Jedi create a distraction by pushing hard, uh, make, you know, making a hard assault on, on, on the front gates, essentially, of the factory where that, where that bridge is. But while they're inside, the bombs fail, and so they end up hijacking the super tank and making a decision that they think is going to most likely cost them their lives. They blow up the core from the inside. Um, the whole factory collapses on them. And then Luminar is like, well, so much for my Padawan. <laughs> but Anakin's not having it. Anakin's – it was so weird. This part really – I really like Luminara up to this point. I lost so much respect for her here because she's just like super casual, not sad. <laughs> just like, I can feel my Padawan fading away. <laughs> like, we'll go save her. And Anakin's like freaking out. Like, what are you doing? Like, we got to save him. Let's start lifting this rubble. She's like, oh, I can let him go. <laughs> I can let my Padawan go. She knew the risk when she went in. It's almost like she wants her to die crazy okay Anakin's not having it I took the exact opposite maybe not exact but very close I took it that Anakin is focusing too much on relationships and he's too attached to his Padawan well see I think that might have been what they were going for but no like there's no battle going on anymore try to dig them out at least (laughs) they're suffocating down there Anakin can detect that Ahsoka is still alive. He can feel her in the force calling out to him. And he's like, Look, we're doing this. We're, we're going to dig him out. And Luminar is like, yeah, I can feel my Padawan too. She's fading away. Let's go. <laughs> just, I just couldn't stand it. I just lost so much respect for Luminara here. Crazy. John, what's your take? Well, it didn't bother me. Yeah, it didn't bother me as much as it bothered you. Um, okay. I, I think I was kind of like, look, uh, uh, first of all, she's, she's a different species. So maybe her connection to things are different, but she is a, she's a Jedi master. And I, I just don't, I think that she was probably reacting more the way she was supposed to. She, I mean, you saw the tunnels that were under this thing. Uh, They didn't really know where they were and uh, this massive structure and where they could be. Um, And so she's probably like, you know what? There's, there's, if we started looking, it would be futile. There's no way we'd find them mm. um, because of these giant, giant catacombs, uh, you know, whatever it is, um, uh, bug tunnels. Uh, Foul, and, and then tunnels. Kind of, oh, all right. And then, and then knowing that that giant structure kind of came down on top of them because that was the goal. I think she was just kind of being realistic. Yeah, um, I'm with John here. And, and uh, like, yeah. We, we could spend all our, our time and effort on this, but it's not really the Jedi way. They're, they're, they've served their purpose almost. Um, and I liked that Anakin was like, no way, uh-uh, because it showed that he's not going to fall in line with that, that way of thinking, which mm-hmm. ends up getting him in, in trouble later. But is that the right way of thinking? I don't think that's right. 
Well, we've we've discovered and, and through the theory that that Jedi aren't always <laughs> right. I don't That's think. Right. I mean, uh, uh, it, and they're they're it's kind of uh, kind of eye opening in multiple ways that uh, these heroes of my uh, youth are not not what uh, not what I always thought they were. They're not they're not perfect. I'm going to jump ahead here, um, just just for a moment to the next episode, right at the very beginning, when um, you know the Jedi Masters are talking. Luminar wants to go chase Poggle the Lesser, and she's insistent on it. But if you remember, um, Obi Wan and Moondi are like, "No, you really shouldn't." To which she basically replies, "Thanks for your consideration, but I'm still going." So <laughs> there's still there's got to be some sort of I guess Jedi code of conduct when you're all the same level, at least in that sense, they're all Jedi masters to where you say, well, you're a Jedi master. You do it differently than I do. I guess it's one of those maybe like gray areas to where you can say, yeah, well, it's, it's, it's not right. It's not wrong. It's not against, you know, what we believe. So it's somewhere in the middle and it's more personality differences. Yeah. And if if Yoda's not here to tell us not to, then, uh, yeah, we're gonna do what we want. So, <laughs> I think Luminara sent Barris on a suicide mission, knowing she probably wouldn't make it out because she was she was ready for a new Padawan. That's what I think. Well, sure she did. I mean, they do that to the clones all the time. I mean, they're used to. Do- <laughs> uh, she has that photographic memory, and she probably knew some things about her. And she's like, look, we got to do something. Got to get rid of this girl. (laughs) I don't know if you caught what I said, John. The tunnels reminded me of the Falmer. Do you know what I'm talking about? Skyrim. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's like dark dwarf elf creatures underneath the the ground of Skyrim. And they're sort of bug-like, you know, atmosphere. Really, just as soon as I saw him, I was like, this is, this is like, just like Skyrim. So, I thought that was cool. I didn't know if you might notice that or not. But. One All thing right, I so found interesting just, is the yeah. fact that um, right at the beginning of this episode, when Luminar and Barris land, they see Annika and Ahsoka arguing. And Luminar is, you know, talking to Barris. She's like, at it again, I see. And Barris is like, at it again, master. And she says, um, what, what did she say? Um, these two have a, a tendency to play it loose with regulations and rules of command. Like, <laughs> so this is well known among all the Jedi. Like they're, yeah. they're not your stereotypical mold Jedi and Padawan couple here, you know, yeah, they, yeah. they play it loose with regulation. <laughs> well, when the episode started, I was actually like, man, Luminara, she gets down to business. She's getting it done. She's a professional going in there doing her job, doing it right, doing it efficiently, taking calculated risks. And then just the way that she just, uh, again, I know y'all see this a little differently, differently, differently than me, but the way she just abandoned Barris at the end kind of ticked me off. All right, let's move on. Y'all ready to move on to the next one? Yeah. Okay. This next one, things get pretty interesting because Luminara does go and follow Poggle back to, wherever he's going right and they end up discovering this hive of genotians that are being controlled uh, by this mother genotian creature hive mind 
It basically controls everybody within, I guess, within a certain radius of her that she's infected with one of her mind control worms. Man, what a crazy turn this took. I just didn't know. Suddenly we have these reanimated dead corpses walking around that Obi-Wan straight up calls zombies. <laughs> just calls them zombies. So zombies are in our Star Wars canon. Anyway, Luminara gets captured um, by these living dead Genotians and also living, uh, you know, just mind-controlled living creatures. She, this, this queen mother thing can control you. If she gets a worm in you, doesn't matter if you're dead or alive, she can control your brain. So Anakin and Obi-Wan and I don't remember who all, but a bunch of people, some of the clones, they go in and they end up saving her. They collapse the tunnels onto this queen mother and they get away but not all of them because one of them as we'll find out in the next episode ends up getting infected and following them out infected so we'll, we'll talk about that but let's, let's stay on this episode for now what you think about the zombies in the star wars universe i loved it you loved Absolutely it yeah i wasn't sure what you i wasn't sure what you think drew what you oh think? it was so good i was I'm so glad. I love the way they did it. Um, and I've seen different, different, uh, uh, you know, Star Wars comic stuff with zombies. It's like, yeah, that's so dumb. Why would you bring that to Star Wars? But the way they did it with the, the mind control worms and uh, absolutely loved this. Um, this part of the arc uh, was, was fantastic. Yeah, I agree with John. It's honestly, they, they took basically dawn of the dead mixed it with the alien um movie alien and made it their own and the way they presented it worked it wasn't so i mean it wasn't so far-fetched i was like no no, you know in star wars no that's not even gonna it made sense how they presented it to me and that's what i appreciated you know with the worm it's going inside it's brain control so yeah i actually thought it was more sensible than most media portrayals of zombies right because most of the time zombies are you catch a virus and then you die and then you come back to life and then you know or something bites you and you get infected and then that disease that controls your mind and but the idea of this like worm attaching to your brain and controlling you is something that really happens in the natural world so i guess it's not not all that different but it's it's still it was still kind of interesting to me that it, it almost seems like a little bit more realistic take as realistic as you can be when you're talking about zombies on, on uh, what a zombie could, can be. And I thought it was original. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen a hive mind zombie before. So the fact that you're able to do zombies in an original way that I haven't seen before, I think it's kind of a big deal because you see zombies everywhere nowadays, you know, I thought it was really funny when Luminara is chained up, they're about, the queen mother's about to infect her with one of these worms and Obi-Wan's sitting back and kind of just joshing with her being like, wait, I want to see if it goes in the nose or the ear. Or the that mouth. was my let's favorite just, part. Let's of just this watch episode. and see what happens. <laughs> it's like, maybe we should wait Luminar a longer. And Luminar's like, I think not. I think not. <laughs> yeah. But she knows. And actually there was something really subtle in this episode. There are a couple of things that I thought were really subtle that were done really well. And one of them, it was when Anakin and Obi-Wan walked in that room with the Queen Mother, you saw a change on Luminara's face. It went from like sort of a cold look 
to this little smirk. All of a sudden, Luminara smirks, and it's like she knows this queen mother's in trouble, and she's fine. <laughs> as soon as those two walk in, I, I thought that was a, just a cool little touch. I don't know if you guys noticed that or not, but um, but that was cool. How Anna, or how Obi Wan describes uh, Anakin when they first walk in, when he says that scene, when he says, uh, "I think with my mind, while you think with your lightsaber." <laughs> Oh yeah! Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, is that kind of is that kind of a dirty joke? Was that a dirty joke? I I didn't take it initially at first, but the more I thought, I was like, uh, no, this people is the say kids. that. Like, yeah. <laughs> but Obi Wan is such uh, a scientist, although not not untrue of Anakin, right? I mean, I mean Padme is the one who gets him into trouble at the end of the day. But Obi-Wan's such a scientist. That is, I mean, I was like, dude, this is, you're almost like that crazy scientist, the blue virus scientist guy we yeah. saw earlier. You know, like, why are you trying to keep this warm? Then when it gets cut in half, he's like, Anakin, I was going to use that for research. <laughs> like, yeah. I think he's mostly joking, like, like maybe 85% joking. 85%. Oh, I would only say like 60, but. <laughs> So, Cliff, I, I don't. I think John smirked when when you said it two or three times too. But you've called the uh, the hive queen the queen mother now. I think five yeah. times. Queen mother. Well, what is that from? The queen mother is what the um, the British people refer to the queen of England. Oh, <laughs> no. We've lost all of our viewers in Great Britain. <laughs> And with that statement right there, we just lost whatever listener we had. The Queen Mother, she was gross. <laughs> what do they call her in here? I could never remember. Even, you know I she think she was just the Queen, wasn't she? Just yeah. the Queen. Okay. All right. She's, I guess she, well, I don't know if she's really the mother. The mother of the worms. <laughs> that sounds like a movie title. Mother of the Worms. <laughs> mother of the Worms. A really bad B movie, maybe. <laughs> 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 all right so at the end of this episode one of the worms <clears throat> infects one of the troopers and he brings along with him as they leave this hive a whole bunch load of worm eggs he brings them onto the ship where uh soka and barris are together with a bunch of the clones and then he releases them and infects a whole bunch of the clones and is basically trying to take over the ship uh, with infected zombie clones. Now, these would be living clones that are infected. And so I'm thinking, because there's a difference, it seems to me like when you infect, when one of the worms infects one of the dead creatures, it's just like a, like a dumb, mindless zombie. But when it infects somebody who's alive, it's like it can use all of their intelligence and knowledge and and you know even pretend like it's something even pretend like it's the person that that's being controlled right so i thought that was interesting and i think the distinction there was if they're alive they can still appear intelligent if they're dead you can still control them but they're just going to kind of flop around and attack you know? that's good i didn't even catch that but you're right yeah yeah excuse the force when she was infected what's that Varys used the oh, force yeah, when she right. was infected so obviously, right, yeah. you know, uh, they've, they've got control of all their abilities. Right. Anyway, yeah, and, and so it, Ahsoka and Barris end up having to kill a bunch of clones 
because they're attacking them. And then Anakin gets word of it and basically goes dark side, you know, bad cop on Poggle, who's their prisoner, and forces the information out of him that you can use cold to combat these worms. So they basically freeze the ship before it docks into, you know, wherever, wherever it is that they're going and are basically able to overcome the threat because everything's so cold. But in the process, Barris actually gets infected as well. And Ahsoka has to make a decision at one point of, do I kill Barris at this point or do I try to save her life? And she ends up being able to save her life. She, she just contends with her for a little while until it, she's able to, I think she blasts her with a big blast of cold out of a vent or something. And it freaks the worm out. The worm tries to get out and get away. And she chops the worm in half and saves Barris. So another thing, when you get taken over, you can be untaken over if the worm leaves, you know, and, and presumably back to normal, I guess. So, But let me ask y'all this question, because this is what started to bug me about halfway through it. How does hive mind control work if the queen is dead? Mm. Or is the is, queen dead? Is the queen dead? Presumably. The tunnel collapsed on her, but I don't know. Good question. I had the same question. Okay. And what's the range? Because they're way off in space. Mm-hmm. Right? And if she's still buried underground over there, then are these worms now just acting on their own volition? Or is she still controlling them, you know, even though she's buried underground on Genosis? It almost reminded uh, me of the book Ender's Game a little bit, if you've ever read that. It, it works similarly how um, in the book they're facing some creatures, some bugs, you know, you know, save humanity, whatever. But they have basically instant teleportation, Dragon Ball Z reference, but for the mind. And so, you know, when a, no matter the distance, they're able to relay orders uh, instantaneously. Okay. Um, so that's, that's sort of the connection that I made to it. But that was a guess. Yeah. Some disturbing moments when Barris is kind of going in and out of her self-awareness, <clears throat> begging Ahsoka to kill her. It's kind of messed up. <laughs> and then I like the end where Anakin's sitting by her bedside, waiting for her to recover. But that was a good touch on their relationship. Mm-hmm. So, good so I like the whole, the, the, the part where she's begging her to kill her because She's, she's asking her to kill her because she doesn't want this to spread anymore. Mm-hmm. She's, hey, you've got to do this for the mission. You've got to do this to, to control me so you can get control of this ship. Um, and she refuses. And again, the, uh, what you were referencing with her dialogue with Anakin, and Anakin basically says, you know, you did the right thing. Right. Um, but I don't know that Obi-Wan would have felt the same way. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously not because when push comes to shove, what did he do to his old Padawan? (laughs) You know, they brought that, that was a theme they brought up several times in a lot of different ways in these five episodes. Yeah, that's true. I mean, even when they were stuck in the tank two episodes ago, you know, under the rubble, you notice that Ahsoka very much like Anakin was not willing to give in, whereas Barris was like, well, if it's the end, it's the end. So 
um, very different mindsets in uh, the Jedi thinking. So it reflective of their masters, both both reflective of their masters. Yeah. They must not use national common core standards to all think the same. So. <laughs> I thought it was neat, though, when uh, Anakin goes to question Poggle and he says to the clone, he's, the way he says, leave us. I'm thinking, wow, this is so reminiscent of Darth Vader. That is like a Darth Vader yeah. move right there. Yeah, that was definitely a dark side moment for Anakin where he was like, I'm not having it. You're messing yeah. with people I love and care about. I'll cross whatever lines I have to cross to get, get my, get help for my friends. Mm-hmm. And when Frankly, he uh, goes and tells them and uh, the other Jedi's, they're like, how'd you find that out? He's like, misdirection, misdirection. I know how to do it. Let's talk about it later. You know, it's interesting. I've, I've never, I don't know if I've ever thought about this before. That is a quality we end up seeing in Luke Skywalker as well. You remember he basically goes against Yoda and it's like, look, I got to go help my friends. I don't, you know, forget about it. I don't care if it risks everything in the galaxy. I'm going to go help my friends because I can hear them crawling, crying out in pain. And so it's not even a question for him. You know, there's no talking him out of it. He's gone. He's leaving in the middle of his training and he's going to go help his friends, even if it means he has to face Darth Vader before he's ready against the will of his, I, I suppose at the time, his master, Yoda, because I guess it would have been his master at that point, right? So. Um, you see Luke eventually, of course, being able to control that and, and still be a good person at the end of the day, but, uh, or a light side person at the end of the day, whereas Anakin obviously, um, takes that same determination, a different direction. And if, if I'm not mistaken, isn't it when that happens, don't Yoda and Obi-Wan be like, look, you're, you're acting just like your father here. Don't they say that to Luke, something to that effect? So this, that's, it's, it's interesting that that could be kind of a, maybe it's not a callback because <laughs> this was made after, but maybe they're trying to make it like it's a callback to moments like this, where Anakin says, no, my friends are first. I'll do what it takes to be there. For yep, they, they actually say it to each other. Obi-Wan and Yoda, you know, uh, but not much different than, than his father was basically. Mm. But yeah, really interesting. All right. Anything else about this arc? We got to rate it. You ready to do that? Let's do it. Go, John. This was a nine for me. Whoa! Wow. This was Is that our first this nine. This was my Is favorite. That your first nine. Yes. Okay. My first nine. This was my favorite arc so far. Uh, okay. From the uh, battle scenes to the zombies to the character development that we saw um, to, to really changing the way, you know, I, I, I think of uh, Anakin. Um, so it's a, it's a nine. It was, I loved it. I loved every, almost the every episode. episode. The first one was a little <laughs> slow. Uh, after that, uh, after, after the first one of this arc, uh, I was on the edge of my seat wanting, uh, wanting to, to, to see more of it. So yeah, nine. Cool. Great. I agree with everything John just said there. Um, mine's slightly lower. I'm, I'm saying a seven. I, I did enjoy it. Everything. I agree. Um, echo everything. The character development, getting to see Obi-Wan um, develop with Anakin and Ahsoka a little bit, those interactions. 
the hive mind control. I mean, it was, it was a lot of interesting new things for me. And so I enjoyed it. Um, so I'm giving it a seven. I'll go eight. There was a lot of interesting stuff. Eight's really, uh, I think eight's a really good rating and, you know, kind of splitting the difference between you two, but that's what I was thinking ahead of time was, was that I'd give this an eight. The first two episodes, honestly, it started, it started out a little slow. I think, I think John, you liked that second episode quite a bit more than I did. I enjoyed it, but I prefer more of the relationship explorations. And there was some of that there, but that was more just like a bunch of fight scenes and, and I like fight scenes, but I really like fight scenes that have a lot of emotional context undergirding them. And this just felt a little bit more to me like we're going to war with these same people that we always go to war with, the separatists, you know, rather than there being sort of like this standoff, like there's history and there's this buildup and there's a conflict and the confrontation has all these, you know, underlying things associated, associated with it. Uh, Drew, you know, kind of like anime does where Mm -hmm. they build it up and they show you backgrounds and then the the final standoff has so much emotional push behind it. So, but, but it was good. I I liked it. I did. I did enjoy it. Even the battle scenes, even though I did, I felt like they could use some more context. I did enjoy them. And I, I also really liked the zombies. So, so, so real quick, uh, obviously not going to argue your rating at all, but there was history with Genosis. Genosis was, uh, where they almost okay. all died uh, in the, it, and it was kind of like, look, this is payback. Last time y'all whipped our tails. Uh, mm. and, and we basically ran in the, towards the end of the movie there. Um, but we're, we're coming at you this time. So that's, again, that's kind of what added to it for me was, uh, okay. was we're coming back to Genosis and, uh, and this time it's payback time. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that makes a lot of sense. All right. For next week, we're going to be watching through two arcs, The Pursuit of Grievous, which is episodes 209 and 210, and then Lightsaber Lost, episode 211. It's just right in line with the, uh, the, the way that the previous arc ended, so look forward to that. We didn't get emails this week, but if you would like to email us, you can email us at starwarsbrotherspodcast at gmail.com. We are on Facebook. We're also on Twitter, but I'm not really using Twitter anymore, so don't even bother with that. <laughs> but I do try to put a Facebook post up occasionally, so um, mainly just posting the episodes. But still, you know, go on there and like us—an easy way to share us with with your friends if you're not too embarrassed embarrassed to uh, to do so. so. Not too embarrassed that you listen to. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks for listening. Yeah, yeah, I know. And with that statement right there, we just lost whatever listener we had.